everyone. Welcome back to Podside Picnic. I'm Connor, and as usual, I'm here with the actual host with the most, that is Pete. Uh, we are also joined by a special guest today. He is, among many other things, he is the author of a couple of books. One is called Hooligans of Kandahar, and the other is the one we're discussing today, which is called Citizen of Earth, and it's part of his ongoing Galaxy on Fire series. And he is Joe Kasabian. Hey, what's Thanks going Thanks for joining on? us, Joe. Thanks for having me. Uh, welcome, man. And we're honored to have you on here. Um, we, you know, I know you from Twitter. Other folks maybe know you from your podcast. We'll get to all of that. I'm going to kick it over to Pete because Pete's the actual expert. and He's going to ask you some questions about this book. All right. I, are you going to borrow money from me later, man? What is going on? You're being so nice. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Joe, I've been... Uh, one of the things I've been doing for years and we've also been doing in the podcast is sort of exploring the subgenre of military sci-fi. So like having you come on the show is perfect because that's that's really does seem to be where where your writing lives or at least what I've seen of it. Um, one of the things that I noticed and I got really pumped about is I started seeing influences. Like I, I could read some of what you're doing and it's not like you're imitating Heinlein, but I could see from what you did that you'd read Heinlein. You were interacting with that. And I saw Haldeman too. And I even saw some, some authors I don't like, like when you, with the, with the alien races and the different natures of them and how they interact, I saw some John Ringo there. So I, I guess what I'm asking is as you write this, this science fiction, like, do you have favorites in terms of military science fiction authors? Are there people you're really trying to relate to? What's your connection to the larger field? Uh, so I'm a huge fan of uh, Haldeman, like most people, I would assume. Uh, his books are magnificent. One of my favorite sci-fi authors of all time. Um, and I, I think the world that I created was, or the one I envisioned, I'm not sure if I translated it correctly, but um, is heavily influenced by Dad, Dan Abnett books from uh, Warhammer 40k, and uh, oh, that's awesome! <laughs> like, nice. I have read uh, the Gaunt's Ghost series for going on almost 20 years now, and um, it, his writing style is, is really unique when it comes to military sci-fi, and especially the Warhammer books, which you know, very wildly from uh, from one to another when it comes to quality. But uh, I wanted to tried I, I wanted them to influence me but also i didn't want it to look like i was aping off of them at the same time which is really hard when you're writing something uh, when you're writing in a genre that has such defined like really well-known authors um and i i hope i skipped the line there when it came to like oh you're just ripping off of people like i didn't want to do that at all oh that that was certainly not the vibe in fact uh one of the things like we would get to points in your book, and I'm trying hard not to spoil it because I'm hoping you're going to get like people buying the book out of this discussion. That'd be nice, <laughs> right? So, I mean, like, I we'd be in a moment. And I'm like, well, here we are at 1984, and I'm like, well, no, this is actually going a little more Starship Troopers now, and I'm like, whoop, whoop, whoop. Here we are over in Haldeman Land. And now we're in a heist movie. Like one of the things that I think you've been remarkably good at, at in in uh, Citizen of Earth is taking sort of the standard what what's the term that Connor hates so much? Like tropes, the 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 tropes and forms of 
science fiction novels and playing with them but not letting them control the decisions you're making. And I thought that was really cool. Like, when you wrote this book, what was... Uh, what were you thinking it was? Were you saying, well, this is this is just a military sci-fi novel, or you're like, on some level, this is a, a heist novel, or am I going to subvert uh, Star Wars? What were you doing? I wanted to use um, military sci-fi to tell Vincent's story, and his story happens to take place in the middle of a war. And, uh, and so I, I didn't want to just tell a war story, because, you know, not all war stories are... are black and white only the ones that you know the movies make are that way and uh i didn't want people to get super comfortable with that because like you only can tell so much of a story with military sci-fi uh with straight up you know balls to the wall military sci-fi there's only so much plot you can do in there um so i wanted to add more to it uh, i wanted to tell this person's particular story as the entire galaxy went to hell around him and you're just kind of along for his ride. It seemed to start pretty shitty, to be honest. Yeah, he he, he doesn't exactly have a great life. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I it, it's hard it's hard when reading a book not to come in with your own baggage. And so, like when I was reading about the nature of Earth in your novels, uh, like some of it I saw was like the 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 Heinlein recruiting of the criminals vibe. But the other thing I saw was like the, the chairman is a loaded word to yeah. describe a leader. And then you had the book of ethics. So like, is it, is it sort of a, a Maoist super state? Like did, did you nail down what sort of government you, this was, or did you just sort of say, well, this is bad and I'm going to show you it was bad. What were you trying to do there? Um, I kind of picked bits and pieces from every like horrible dictatorship throughout history and combine them into a personality cult. Um, obviously there's a lot of Maoism involved, uh, or Maoist ideas and thought involved, but there's also, uh, you know, national socialism and Nazism, fascism involved. Um, especially, uh, the earth's treatment of Mars. Uh, I specifically modeled on, uh, the oppression of against the Poles and the, uh, the treatment of the Armenians by the Ottoman empire. So, um, it's, I picked, I picked little pieces of awful things from out history and mashed them all together. Um, and I picked chairman and committee because those are definitely loaded words. And it's, a, I think it's a whole lot less obvious. than if I just said like chancellor or like emperor, so <laughs> sure. I wanted, I wanted to go at a different angle, but yeah, I, I definitely saw it more as like a giant space fascist empire. Um, that probably, if you look far enough back in the in the fake history that I created, started off as something that was absolutely not supposed to be that way, uh, to unify the, the Earth. But uh, I wanted to kind of take the idea of like um, humanity's obsession with like strongman daddy types, and, and and show where how awful that can go pretty quickly. <laughs> Oh, that's fair. Well, it's it certainly, it, again, you, you made a world I wouldn't want to live in. So like, well, well done. <laughs> um, in terms of, uh, we, you know, when, when, when we're dealing with this, what, one of the, one of the interesting things about military sci-fi, uh, uh, authors is they have a tendency to be veterans mm -hmm. and, 
being a veteran is there's significant resonance between that and the work. Um, is that is that true in your case? Like I know you you do have a military background, mm-hmm. but did is is that why you chose military sci-fi? Like what's the connection there for you? I think that's why I did it. I mean, I I I've read a lot of military sci-fi, but it's not like my favorite genre. Sure. Um, but I definitely always connected with it a bit more, and I think it's because you find an outlet to kind of blow off all the stuff that you want to work your way through, whether it be you know stuff you went through or you know your experiences, good or bad. But you have a hard time voicing them using yourself. Like you have a hard time expressing them uh, or, or telling a story that you may have witnessed. But it's a lot easier to do it through somebody else's eyes because then you fictionalize it a bit. You didn't go through it. Somebody else did. Um, you can use somebody else as a mouthpiece to voice all the all the complaints that you had. Um, and I think that's uh, something that they did in Forever War as well. Um, and he said as much, I believe, in an interview. And that that kind of struck me. I'm like, well, shit, I kind of did the same thing. When I mean, and I did write a memoir already, so like. It, there was some things, there's certain feelings of the sights, the smells, um, just just the overall just doom and gloom of the whole situation. It's a lot easier to tell that story and make it palatable if you make it fictional. So I actually, this is all really interesting. Um, I want to help out some of our listeners here who might be interested in this book and this series. And just to simplify a little bit, I, I didn't like summarize at the beginning what this is all about, but um you know, how would you pitch, how would you frame this book and the series that you're doing for our audience of genre fiction loving readers? Um, I would assume that your audience is a lot like my own. So I don't feel horrible in saying that like it's about um a popular space revolution and killing space fascists. Uh, cool. All <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> uh well, you know, a, a, a kid who kind of floated through life, um not really succeeding at a whole lot, not failing completely, finds himself, you know, up shit's creek without a paddle, gets arrested, and in uh, the unified Earth time, uh, you could be sentenced to military service, which is generally considered a cake thing. Like humanity isn't fighting any galaxy-wide wars. the uh, The civil war on Mars is over. Things like that. Uh, it's considered you're just going to coast through for a couple of years. You'll get your citizenship, and you're going to move on with your life. Uh, but almost immediately after he's pressed into service, uh, the uh, Earth goes to war against aliens for the first time. Um, at this point, everybody had kind of everybody had known aliens existed, uh, and they're mostly just considered like subhuman beasts, and like they need to be kept away from humans at all costs. Aliens were not allowed to enter human space, stuff like that. Um, and along the way, he meets other people much like himself, other people who are true believers in the chairman and um, the way that the earth runs. And everything just kind of goes downhill from there. So I, I want to talk a little bit about pulp with you. Uh, one of the things that this podcast has really come down on the side of is that uh, while, while pulp is used as a pejorative term, what it is describing is not a bad thing. I mean, we're talking about adventure fiction. We're talking about, like, uh, connecting with the audience in a fun way. We're talking about accessibility. And these are all things we want to see, at least in some books. In, in that sense, I prefaced in because if I just started talking about it, it might have sounded like I was being insulting. Um, <laughs> this book 
has some pulp features. I feel like you tried to make a uh, a modern golden age of science fiction novel. Like, am I am I pulling that out of my ass? I mean, is it because I, I mean I thought it was pretty cool. You're not the first person to tell me that, and I did not set out to do that. To be completely honest, and if uh, if that's how if that's how people feel, I mean, that's fine. I know uh, a reviewer called it bad pulp. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, the first the first Amazon review was not was not loving that, but <laughs> no, uh, which is fine with me. If you think it's bad pulp fiction, I'll I'll do what every other pulp sci fi author did and create my own space cult. And I'll just move on with my life. <laughs> oh, man. You're, you're in great pulp country, too, because you're Pacific Northwest. So you yeah. can have your little compound. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I literally live down the street from a different cult. So we're going to have cult turf wars. It's going to be a thing. But we'll, 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 fi- we'll fix it. Yeah, those block parties will be awkward. <laughs> well, that's cool. I Let me think here. Uh, so how about your favorite authors? Like, um, I, I, we, we already talked about you being a big Haldeman fan. Are there other, are there other science fiction authors where you're like, uh, these guys are helping me on my journey or like, this is who I like to read. And are those the same people? Um, I think that there is, um, there's some that helped me frame how I wanted my story to flow, like how I wanted to introduce my characters and one of those is actually a fantasy author named Django Wexler, who I cannot recommend highly enough. Um, another is a sci-fi author whose name I'm probably absolutely going to butcher. And his name's uh, Adrian Tchaikovsky. Oh, sure. Um, I'm not, I've, if I pronounce that wrong, I apologize. His books are magnificent. Both his sci-fi and fantasy books are great. And I have no idea how so many managers did like bounce back and forth and continue to make amazing books. I've never checked out his fantasy. It is really good. Uh, Guns of the Dawn is a magnificent book. Um, But they helped me frame how I wanted this to look like. And I think it actually affects the the later books on because I I wrote um, Citizen of Earth about two years ago after Hooligans of Kandahar was finished. And then I just kind of sat on it for a really long time uh, because that's how being an author works, unfortunately. Um, And then it kind of changed with me for a little bit. And then I really got to evolve what I wanted to evolve as the books move on. But there's a lot of people uh, and a lot of authors, those two specifically, I think, uh, that helped me how I wanted my characters to grow because they have great character progression in their books. And I I think in the first edit, I'm like, shit, I hate my own characters. (laughs) (laughs) So I had to change them. Uh, And that's something I think that's something that was more of of a difference between my first and second books or my first book, I was writing about real people and things that happened. There was no character progression because humans are boring like that. Um, and then my second one, I had to engineer it for the first time. And I think I did. I, I think I wrote them how I would, I would want myself to be written. Like I evolved into kind of a better person, but you know, real life isn't always that way. Uh, but also I had a lot of fun writing it. Like I had, a, I had a lot of fun writing a book for the first time in my life and I kind of went nuts with it and I, and I'm, I'm glad it turned out the way it did. That's well, first of all, as someone who's been working on a novel, uh, I sympathize with all of that <laughs> solidarity. Um, we're kind of at an interesting moment. I know you've addressed this on Twitter recently, but with military sci-fi in particular, all sci-fi, all genre writing, I mean, culture broadly, but especially military sci-fi mm-hmm. where, and I'm sure you guys both know that this more, more about this than I do, but like uh, the, the culture war that's going on within sci-fi, there's definitely a subgroup of readers and writers 
many of whom are really invested in the military genre, who are right wing and in many cases going farther right and are really invested in not letting the SJWs ruin their war stories or whatever. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about all that? How do you relate to all that? Like, how does that touch you, if at all? So I have to admit, I had no idea this genre war existed until I wrote a book into it. Um, which I found myself quickly wading through Nazis in my mention. I'm like, oh, fuck, what have I done? Oh, no. <laughs> um, and I, Ouch. I, I ran into this uh, before, and I think I, I made a joke that, uh, oh, shit, I accidentally wrote American History X. Because, like, I don't know about you guys. But, <laughs> oh, man. Uh, like, I went to I went to school in a, in a pretty racist area in Detroit, and there's a, a lot of Nazis there. Like, the, most of the white kids there were gross and racist, and they all really loved American History X. And like you guys didn't watch the last two hours of that movie, did you? And it, it, it's like falling down. Would yeah? I I, uh, I called it uh, you know American History X for baby boomers. And like I ended up kind of doing the same thing on accident because like people ha- have read my books and they're like, yeah, see, he he had to be part of the state, so he had to join the the Earth Defense Forces. Like, no, man, you did you not read this shit? <laughs> oh, they man. probably didn't actually read most of it. That's that, part of the problem. As long as I have their money, I legitimately don't care. I'm going to donate their money to some communist party. I don't care. But uh, uh, there, there was actually one person who was saying, uh, like, there's some. I mean, my first book is an anti-war book. I actually had to explicitly come out and say this on Twitter because I didn't think I, mean, I would ever have to do this. I was like, Hooligans of Kandahar is an anti-war book. Citizen of Earth is about killing space fascists. I cannot be more clear about this uh, because somebody was quoting one of the awful stories from Hooligans and saying, oh, that was really funny. I'm like, oh, boy. And uh, wow. Yeah. And it, like. It, it, and it is darkly humorous, but it's 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 meant to do that on purpose. And there's certain parts of Citizen that that end up being the same way. And I think when you see what somebody was pushing for, and especially sci-fi in general, which is uh, strange that it's so heavily right wing, because you have these fictional tools to build whatever world you want. And, and this goes for fantasy as well, because they're weird conspiracy theories that like Lord of the Rings is about race war, but like. You have the tools to literally make anything you want. There's no rules that apply at all. You can make them up as you go. Make your own planets. Make your own races. You can make up your own government. You can make up your own space religions. But And, and then they always turn back towards like just flag-waving fascism. And I think that tells you a lot about people in general. And it's like the, the, the never-ending argument of Heinlein as being ironic or not. And oh. <laughs> Yeah, he's a guy that we're going to have to tackle eventually, and I'm really dreading it because, like, one, he changed over time, in my opinion. Like, his opinions in his children's books are not the same as in his military books. And he's also uh, an extremely good writer who I disagree with, and that makes for a very hard discussion. Yeah. Like, Look at this wonderful asshole. You know, it's like you can't do that. Yeah, it's, you know, people make this argument with me all the time because if I find out anything about an author I don't like, I'm going to stop reading their books. Like a great example is Orson Scott Card. Oh, sure. (laughs) Like I'm not going to touch one of his books with a fucking pull. And like I understand that like he, I mean, some I've heard his his later books suck, but I mean, uh, Ender's Game was an incredibly great book when I was a kid. Like this, I'm like, this is awesome. And then I found out about him like, oh, 
You know, like everyone's like, oh, you have to be able to uh, separate the art from the artist. Like, eh, I can't do that. And I, I, I don't expect anybody to do that to me. And I don't expect anybody to do that for anyone else. Like if there's a far right person reading my book, I want them to know they're giving money to a socialist. Like, I think that's funny to me. <laughs> that's, you know, that's that's totally fair. It's actually um, I I. I, I don't want to bring my brain problems into a discussion about you, but we've we've one of the things that is coming up again and again in this podcast is uh, I I do a certain amount of hand wringing and anguishing about what happens when the author is horrific and the book is good. Yeah, and it's usually not that clear cut. But Connor's opinion is well, what's the book like? Why are we talking about the author? And th- that might be a healthier. P- Am I putting words in your mouth there, Connor? No, I, I was just going to ask Joe. Like we have taken, or at least I have taken, a pretty broadly like anti-cancellation stance, just in terms of like I'm not super interested in canceling books, and I'm not that that interested in moralizing about authors. However, that's just for my own purposes. It makes it easier for me to interpret things. Um, I I'm very interested in Joe's stronger stance, and I don't want to like give it. I don't want to describe it pejoratively and call it moralistic or anything. I just want him to expand on it a little bit. Like, are you truly saying that if you, that you will just straight up stop reading an author if you don't like their politics? Uh, it's not that I don't like their politics. I think I should, I should change my, uh, how I worded that. Um, like when it comes to, if somebody's a conservative, I really don't care. Um, if somebody's an anarchist or a socialist or a communist, I really don't care. But it's like, it's the neo-Nazi bigotry type, stuff that that really bothers me um and like orson scott card in particular and he said some pretty awful things about gay people um and i feel like that's when it comes to bigotry and stuff i'm like uh, i don't know if i'm comfortable giving them money um it, it, yeah, that makes sense yeah, yeah. i mean it, and unfortunately i'm sure there's a lot of good books about the, out there by people who suck and like uh, it, and it, I would never say that Ender's Game is a bad book because the author is an asshole. It just makes me not want to read his other books. I, I would never judge. Like if you gave me a book and, and and I read it and I enjoyed it, and then you told me, "Oh, well, the guy who wrote it's like, you know, like part of the American identity movement," I'm like, "Oh shit!" Like it's still a good book, but <laughs> like it's not going to change right. my opinion of the work. It, it's just going to make me. L- Really think twice about giving them money. Yeah, I think that's a pragmatic. That's a pragmatic view. I want to ask you: Have you, um, have you sought out or heard from like other military sci-fi authors and thought about like how your book fits into the current moment? Because obviously, this is a this is a thing that you're dealing with right now. I was totally going to ask that. That's a great question. Uh, someone did reach out to me, um, and I'm not going to name drop them because you know it's kind of rude, but. Um, you know, we were talking about, I was like, yeah, people did this to me, um, completely mis- uh, misunderstood my work. And then they, they started like arguing with me about it. And I was like, well, shit, how did you go about that? Because I'm an argumentative person. Uh, I mean, I, I have, especially when it comes to something I did, um, I'm, I'm, I really don't like people. And if people are going to be constructive criticism, that's fine. If you're going to flame me in comments, that's, that's also fine. Because, uh, I mean, when you write a book, you just have to expect, expect that. Um, but if somebody like says, no, what you wrote is wrong, uh, or what you're talking about is wrong. This is what you meant. Like I get a little miffed by that. And he did as well. And and he definitely just told me to just leave it alone, which I've, 
I have not successfully done, uh, but I'm trying. Um, and yeah, you know, when you write a piece of fiction, um, you just have to expect that someone's going to go into it with a mindset that may take something differently than what you intended. And that's okay. Like it's, it's fine. This isn't a history book. This isn't like a, a memoir. Um, taking it any, interpreting it any way they want is the point of fiction. And that's the point of writing fiction is you get to build whatever you want and turn into whatever you want. And people are going to take whatever you give them and then form their own opinions and ideas on it. Though it, it is really strange. Like the Ray Bradbury moment when he was like, arguing about what his book was about in, in front of college kids is like always sticks out to me. Um, you just have to let it go. I mean, there's no point you, I, I said what my book is, is meant to be about. And if people don't want to accept that, I, I, I don't care, I guess. Like, I don't know. Like I can scream until I'm blue in the face and tear what's left out of my hair. It's not going to do anything for me. So, um, I'm going to ask a question, which I, I suspect isn't going to be of great interest to be of Connor, uh, to be honest. But I think I think our audience might be interested because, like, you guys are both writers. So you know the life. You know how you get something published. You're familiar with that process. I'm a guy who buys a lot of books. Mm-hmm. Like, that's my whole background. So, like, like, you came up with the idea for a book. You wrote it. And then what? Like, did you find an agent? Did you put it on the web and see what people do? Like, what was your process to get from guy who'd written something on his computer to published author? Um, it was a lot easier the second time around, which is the oxymoron of the publishing world. It's hard to get published when you're not when you're a nobody, which I still arguably am a nobody. But when you have nothing out, it's very hard to get published. So how do you get published in the first place? Like that, that's the hard part. And if it wasn't for hooligans of Kandahar, I doubt citizen of earth would have been published. Or I doubt someone would give me the time of day. Um, but that process took years. Uh, I got an agent, got a, uh, after searching and searching and failing. And I, I was, I think I told the story before that while I was editing hooligan for, I think the sixth or seventh time, uh, I kept just getting rejection letters and rejection letters and rejection letters. And I have a very small room in which I write. It's about to say, uh, a large closet. Uh, and I started printing them out and taping them to the wall. And within three years, it looked like I wallpapered the room with rejection letters. <laughs> uh, I have a picture of it somewhere. It turns out that's very unhealthy. Do not do that. Um, that's some serial killer shit. No offense. <laughs> no, no, for sure. It, it absolutely is. some Like if, if someone had walked into that room, I would have been committed, but, uh, <laughs> Like, and eventually I, I got a break. Uh, Sebastian Junger uh, contacted me through Facebook, of all things, um, because I, one night I was just like at a loss of who, like I literally didn't know who the fuck else to talk to. And I'm like, I'm going to send a Facebook message to my, like my idol. I bet he won't say anything back, but I don't care. I've tried everything else. And I sent one to him and he actually messaged me back within like six minutes. Wow. And uh, he's like, dude, don't quit. Just like keep sending emails out. If you ever need anything, let me know. So I sent him a manuscript and then I got an agent and then I got published. So, uh, it, cool. It, That's awesome. Cause obviously he's a huge deal. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. He is like, to, and it's, it's, it's weird. Cause I've never met the guy. I've never talked to him in person. Um, I'm just a guy that's obsessed with his work. And uh, like, that's what I wanted to be was a combat journalist. Like after I got out of the army, because my brain is broken and 
And then I realized like, you don't, you get somehow journalists get paid less than authors. So I'm like, well, I got to keep the lights on. So I guess I'll start writing a book. Uh, but after that, um, I actually met the, uh, the main rep representative for my new publisher, uh, through a review of the hooligans of Kandahar and then they started their own press. And, uh, I was like, well, and it, you know, it's speculative fiction, sci-fi, uh, fantasy and stuff. So I was like, oh, well, I got this manuscript I wrote like a year, two years ago. I'll send it over to him, see what they want. And they gave me the time of day cause they re reviewed my other book. Um, and that's how I got, uh, the three series deal and, or the three book series deal. Sorry. And you know, it, it's one I think one of the most important things, anybody who's trying to write could get out of this is like, you have to be really comfortable with failing. Like, and, and it, cause I wasn't at all like it, it destroyed me for quite a while. And, and if you're not comfortable with failing, like it's, you're going to have a rough time cause you're going to have to write through failure. You're going to have to continue to send out your manuscript, which you think is like the best thing on earth to people who say it's dog shit or don't even get back with you. Um, you're going to meet predatory people who lie to you. Like you have to be pretty, you have to take care of yourself, but also like work your ass off, which sucks. But Hopefully it works out. And, 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 you know, the saying is like, well, your second book will always do better or, you know, your second book will get picked up a lot faster. That is true, but you still have to get the first one out, which can be a, a pretty big mountain. Yeah. Well, without going too much into my own experiences right now, I've talked about this elsewhere in the pod. Like, uh, I, my book went on submission last year and got a bunch of rejections from various publishers. And then we're back on submission again with a totally different version of it. And I just want to concur with everything you're saying about uh, handling rejection. I mean, I think that there's there's a great essay called Writing in the Cold by this guy, Ted Sol Solotaroff, where he says that basically, like, how well writers handle rejection is ultimately, like, the measure of what, of <laughs> what they will produce and who they will be. And so, yeah. I totally agree with that. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, that's actually a really good statement because it shows like my overall humor and attitude and how I go about myself. And any like my my books are all pretty dark humorous. Um, like it, they'll make you feel bad while also making you laugh, hopefully. And I I feel like that's how I handle rejection. Like it's hilarious if you're not me, uh, or the person has to handle my mental health. But <laughs> like. That's that's really important, uh, and that's 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 very very true. Um, Stephen King, uh, I'm not a huge Stephen King fan, but uh, Stephen King wrote a really good book on writing, and uh, that's something he covers as well as rejection because he went through a ton of it before they would just publish whatever he puts out. Um, but I think, and and even more than that, is handling the initial rejection is 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 important because then when your book comes out, which again you think is awesome. Uh, there's going to be a, a lot of people who think it sucks and they're not going to be afraid to tell you that. Uh, and right. They're going to tell you on Twitter, especially. Oh man. Yeah. I had like so many people send me DMs saying I should kill myself. <laughs> like, <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. Jesus. Is it cause you were being anti-war or like, I think it's a combination of the two, or maybe they thought it was like a, a cool war book and they followed me on Twitter and they're like, Oh no, I don't like this guy. I'm going to tell him to kill himself. Uh, it seems like veterans who become lefties and are very public about it get some of the absolute worst, like just showered with death threats and stuff. Like I've heard that from other people, like um, Nate and Nate and Francis from their pod and stuff. Oh man, it's bad. They get it. I mean, Nate gets it worse than I think any of us because he's the mo he's the most exposed. But 
Uh, yeah, we get we get it from both sides, um, which I, I guess just makes you have to build up your resiliency to bullshit, which is nice. Um, it, it self care is having people with anime avatars on Twitter telling me to kill myself. That's fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, unbelievable. Um, hey, uh, well, one uh, b- to both of you, I just want to say thank you. Like this is a discussion where you guys have put yourself a little more. Uh, in a more vulnerable place than normally happens during a discussion about, uh, about writing. And, um, I, I, I think it's really valuable and it was, it was, it was interesting for me to hear too. Uh, but I do want to move it someplace lighter. Uh, <laughs> Joe, I usually try and give people a book recommendation at the end of one of these interviews. Uh, is it all right if I do that with you? Oh yeah. Okay. Um, it's, uh, I, I decided to go military sci-fi because, duh, well, you know that's what you've been working on. But uh, uh, the challenge of that is you may have read everything I might suggest. So uh, let me start out. Do you know Elliot K? Uh, name's familiar, yeah. Okay. Uh, Elliot K wrote a, uh, um, a series. Uh, the first book is called Poor Man's Fight. I believe the series is called Rich Man's War. And it's basically an interstellar uh, empire internal battle, basically over student loans. It, it's oh, discovered- my God. That sounds oh, outstanding. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I just had to look. I follow Elliot Kane. He follows me on Twitter. So, yes, I have heard of him before. <laughs> okay. Well, well, you're, I, I recommend your mutual then. Um, I guess, uh, I don't know if that one counts or not, so I'll give you one more. Um, do you know Marco Clues? No. Okay. Um, Marco Clues is known for a lot of things. Uh, he, I think he's a German. Yeah, he's a German dude. And he, uh, um, he's written a series, I believe it's called Points of Impact, which basically deals with a, a totalitarian human state fighting against uh, um, aliens that are trying to wipe us out. And what he's most known for is that when like the the rabid puppies and the sad puppies, you know, that whole Hugo Award battle bullshit. No, I'm not familiar with that. Okay, so You're fortunate then. <laughs> oh yeah, I, like I am about to poison your head. Please and I'm do. So sorry. So one of the things, like uh, the the Hugo's, are obviously the the one of the most important uh, recognitions you can get as a science fiction author, mm-hmm. and a lot of it is done democratically. You can basically just join, and you've got a, a vote. And so there were a couple of groups a few years ago who organized a bunch of right-wing assholes to join and and uh, undercut who was going to get the award so they could give it to people who they felt weren't. Like, they're like, well, all the books now are about misgendering people and, and SJWs, and we hate that stuff. We want to have some violence. We want to have some empire. And space, there can and, only be one gender. Yes! That's <laughs> so they... <laughs> That's so horrifying. <laughs> so they, they, Marco Clues was one of the guys they picked. And he's, they're like, you know, look at this guy. Da, 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 da. And he withdrew. He's like, fuck you. I'm not going to get it because you guys suck. And I, I mean, I, he's, I, I think his writing is good, but it's, it's eclipsed by his integrity. I'm just stunned by the fact that he was, he was probably going to get a Hugo on the basis of fact that these guys thought he was a monster. And he's like, no, I'd rather get nothing. That's, 
that's big, man. Like I, as much as I, like, I don't know if you, can you turn down a Hugo? Like that's, that's a huge integrity check. Cause that like, that makes your whole career. You, you can, oh, yeah. you can put out duds after that and be like, well shit, he won a Hugo once. We have to at least check his book out. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. uh, George R. R. Martin, friend of the pod, um, held a little side ceremony for the people who withdrew. And so they gave him an award there. Oh, that's great. That's cool. Yeah. You can say a lot of bad things about George Martin, but at least he did that. Yeah, like, I, he, he is not perfect by any means. No. But, like, he's kind of a class act. I, I, do, I do respect the fact that he's gotten to this point in his life where he doesn't need money. And he's like, maybe I'll finish the books and maybe I won't. Right. Fuck you. And he's definitely not finishing the books. There's no, no question. There's no fucking way. And, you know, I'm the same. Like, I've told people that, too. I'm like, if some reason somebody picks up Citizen of Earth for a movie deal and I get tens of millions of dollars, do you really think I'm going to be motivated to finish two more books? <laughs> like the like writing is hard and it, it takes you to some dark places and like now I don't have to do that. That's why I think the best authors are poor and hungry. <laughs> like and I, I mean that in the best and the worst possible ways. Yeah, I mean that's that's all a fair point, but uh to make you hopefully a little bit less poor and hungry, um I wanna repeat folks Citizen of Earth from Kyanite Press. It's part of the Galaxy and Fire series by our dude. Joe Kasabian, um, check it out. And also, Joe, is there anything else that you want to plug that you're working on? Uh, yeah, so I host a military history podcast uh, that's mostly like this. It's pretty laid back, uh, humorous. Uh, it's called Lions Led by Donkeys. Uh, we're about to start a seemingly 10-part series on the Soviet-Afghan war, so it'd be a good time to jump in. Also, I promise I'm not going to die or... Um, I don't know, uh, cash my way out of finishing my book series. I really am going to finish it. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> You're I'm getting those books, folks, yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm not going to George Martin my way out of this. Uh, though if Sci-Fi Channel wants to give me a call, yeah, I'll consider it. Hey, we are always here to say whatever. We hope that there's at least one Netflix executive listening to this because we give them compliments all the time for the way they handle oh, sci-fi. Yeah. So Netflix, if you're hearing this, Citizen of Earth, Galaxy on Fire, check it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll, we'll talk and uh, give me that George Martin money. All right. Well, thanks so much, Joe. I uh, really appreciate it, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Oh, it was great having you here, dude. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. 